Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. We're living in a material world. Uh, you know, I'm not going there. Uh, it's because our our guest producer, Liz, called me a prima madonna. <laughs> Just because uh, I said yes. that I can't work like this and I would be in my trailer. By the way, my trailer is underneath my cubicle. <laughs> that explains the trash. Yeah, it does. Lots of trailer trash. You know what? Before we get into a total rat hole here, I think okay. we should talk a little bit about some pumpkins. Pumpkins? Yes. All right. Then. What do you like to, when you look at a pumpkin, what do you think? I'm thinking I prefer it that way and not as a pie. Really? Yes. I think I would pie, love to no. see that move at a high velocity and splat into the ground as hard as possible. Preferably as far away from its origin as yes. possible. Yes. In fact, I spend hours thinking of ways to propel a pumpkin through mechanical means through the air onto the ground, and split into a thousand pieces. All right, then. So what is the best way to achieve that? Well, uh, it turns out the best way to achieve it is to watch people who already know what they're doing. And you can do just that because the Science Channel has two television shows, The Road to Pumpkin Chunkin' and Pumpkin Chunkin', that are airing on Thanksgiving Day. Wow. Which would be November... 26th at 8 p.m. on the Science Channel. Yes, 8 p.m. is the road to Pumpkin Chunkin'. 9 p.m. is Pumpkin Chunkin'. You, too, can watch as pumpkins do what they were born to do, fly through the air and smash into the ground. Ah, uh, yes. And hopefully no one will make pie out of them afterward. I, I would hope not. Sowing the seeds of destruction, you might say. Yes, indeed. I, right. I wouldn't say that, but you might. I would. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, today's topic actually comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Brian in Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, Brian. He writes, hey, guys, love the podcast. Got a question for you guys. What is the difference between Blu-ray and DVD? I own both, but can't tell the difference by looking at them. Is it the way they encode the discs? Brian in Vegas. Well, Brian, we're going to talk a bit about DVDs and a little bit about Blu-ray and what the difference is and, uh, and you know, why there's two different sets of all the movies that you want to see in your local movie store. And if we're lucky, we can manage to get through the entire thing without uh, quoting an Austin Powers movie. Because right. it all comes down to one simple thing. Frickin' laser beams. Oh, that it's ended up quick. Lasers. Just get it out of the way. Look, I, I got the hairstyle for Dr. Evil, so I'm just going to go with it. All right, then. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's lasers. Yeah, exactly. Um, so first of all, before we before we really dig into it, let's talk a bit about digitally encoding information onto a disc format. This applies to compact discs, DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the H lamented HD DVD. Well, also uh, DVD audio. And yeah, other other formats as well. But really, any kind of digital okay. encoding upon a disc. I was just being a smart aleck. Um, so it's sort of similar in a way to the analog way of encoding sound on a uh, on a vinyl disc on a vinyl disc. Only in the sense that you have to spin the disc, and and a reading mechanism goes across the disc and picks up information. Now, in Actually, the case. 
I wouldn't say that's completely uh, that that's the only way. Well, maybe not. But we're talking the difference between digital and analog. There's a lot of there are a lot of differences. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, the main one being nothing actually touches the disc and right. the uh, in in the newer polycarbonate discs. Yes. But in in both cases, it is the surface of the disc which is. Uh, has 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 a texture yeah, exactly. It doesn't look like a, a DVD has texture, but it does. Right. So the DVD has these tiny little bumps. It's there. Usually, you hear about DVD pits. Yep. The pit is on one side of the DVD, but the the side that is actually read by the freaking laser beam. Oh gosh. That side, it, it's more of a bump, and these bumps are tiny. And I'm talking tinier than microscopic. We're talking on the nanoscale tiny. Which is why they appear flat to us. Yeah. Of course, you can, you can try to smash them out with a hammer, but I wouldn't recommend it. No, that, because that, that will break your DVDs. Yes. So, um, we're talking in the, like I said, in the nanometers range. Uh, the, <laughs> I won't tell you are, how I figured that out. <laughs> right. So, so a, a typical bump on yeah. a DVD mm-hmm. would be about, um, 320 nanometers in width, like like wide. Right, um, which is pretty narrow. 400 nanometers long, which is also not that long. Right. So these are tiny, tiny little bumps. And uh, a red laser reads like, these bumps. Yeah, the uh, DVD players and, and CD audio players use red lasers to read the discs. Yeah, so... Here's here's what's happening. A, a laser gets uh, the the DVD player or CD player shoots a laser mm-hmm. that gets reflected by these different little bumps and by the smooth spaces between the bumps. And the difference in that is what is interpreted by the machine as bits and bytes. And that in turn is what ends up being converted into the video and audio that you experience when you plop a DVD or Blu-ray into a uh, a DVD or Blu-ray player, and you turn on your TV. Right. Uh, the difference is a matter of size. Right. Right. Because a Blu-ray player can read bumps that are much much smaller than a DVD player. And why is that? It's because, because of freaking lasers. Yeah. So Blu-ray actually got its name from the fact that it uses a blue laser. Yes. That's the Blu-ray. Right. Right. And uh, it has a shorter wavelength yes. of light. Wavelength, right? So that's that's the whole thing because it has a shorter wavelength. It can read information in a smaller track, right? So um, we're talking about like like when you think of the the spectrum of colors, that's <laughs> what we're talking about the wavelength. So Roy G. Biv, mm-hmm. um, although I think they took out the eye, didn't they? No. I don't think there's no longer an indigo. I think it goes blue to violet now because there was a discussion about how indigo and violet are too close to one another to be considered separate. Uh, I my it, 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 the school that I am familiar with, they are still teaching Roy G. Biv. Yeah, but we're in Georgia, so Roy G. Biv, the the color, what a what a dirty look I got. The uh, the I, I went to school in Georgia too, but uh, the the colors go from the longer wavelengths to the shorter wavelengths. So a red laser has a longer wavelength um, than a blue laser. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the red laser's wavelength is about six hundred and fifty. Nanometers or right. nanometers, if you prefer. I do prefer nanometers. I'm saying nanometers, and then the blue laser has 405 a 405 nanometer wavelength. Mm-hmm. So that means that the blue laser can actually focus on a smaller bump than the red laser. Thus, you are able to fit more bumps and uh, and 
the flat tracks between bumps on a Blu-ray DVD than you would on a regular DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, what this translates to for you and me mean is the, the capacity of storing a high-definition film versus a standard-definition film. Right. So high-definition audio and video I, well, I should just say high-definition video. High-definition audio doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. High-definition video takes up a lot of space. Yes. So much space that I, a, if you want to try and pack more than an hour and a half of, of uh, high-definition content at greater than 720 uh, lines of, of resolution, you're going to need something besides a regular DVD. Because even with video compression, it just can't do – or it can't do it uncompressed. Yeah. And um, even with video compression, it, it can't hold that much information. Yeah. Um, really, a single layer DVD only holds 4.7 gigabytes. Worth I, of space. I love that. It, I love only because I'm that's I a think, lot of information. Yeah. I think back to I think back to the days of CDs coming out and thinking, wow, on one disc, I can hold that much information. Who would ever need more than you know, 700 blah, blah, blah. megs? Right. I mean, yeah. 700 megs. I can't imagine filling up. More than a hundred at a time. Yeah. My and first then, hard drive was 40 megs. Yeah. I think yeah. mine might have been right around that same s- yeah. size. And before that, I didn't have a hard drive at all. It was all on floppy disks. But uh, yeah, I mean, a single layer Blu-ray in comparison holds 27 gigabytes. Right. And so, that's more than two hours of high def video or, right. you know, 13, 13 hours of standard. Right. Yeah. But the, so, thing, the thing is, though, DVD is only really equipped to do 480p, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it can do 720. It can do more than that or 1080, but it, it can't hold as much information. Oh. So in other words, it so can, I misread that then. it can, it can do it. It just has to, it, it's not going to, it's not going to have as much. Right. So like you can do the higher resolutions, but you have to, but you, because that requires more information or more storage space, mm-hmm. you can't store as much of it as you could on a, a Blu-ray. So again, DVD 4.7 gigs. Blu-ray, 27 gigs. That's single layer on either case. Now, you can double layer these discs. Yes, that's true. Uh, so a double layer Blu-ray would hold up to 54 gigabytes of data. Yeah. Um, now, when you're double layering, it's kind of an interesting thing. You've got two different tracks going uh, along a, a disc. And here's another interesting thing, another thing that's different between uh, the digital discs and vinyl. Uh-huh. With vinyl, you put the needle on the outer part of the record and it naturally works its way through the groove to the center. Right. All right. With these digital discs, the laser, the frickin' laser, starts in the center and works its way outward toward the edge. Mm-hmm. Now, can you think of anything that could cause an issue as a laser moves from the center of a disc toward the outer part of a disc? You mean other than like a scratch or a dog hair? Right. I'm just talking about a natural thing that will happen as you're moving from the center of a disk to the outside of a disk. Like what happens to the speed of the data that's going by as you as your laser moves outward? It gets, well, yeah, it's, it's going to get uh, slower. Well, the disk has to move slower. See, the problem is that it's going to – the data itself will actually move faster uh, okay. because it, you're talking about revolutions per second, okay? Uh, okay, yeah. If you keep okay, your revolutions yeah. per second constant, then the data is going to stream by much faster toward the edge of the disk than it would toward the center. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And if you guys are having trouble imagining this, uh, just get a piece of paper, uh, put something – 
put like a little coin around like maybe in toward the center of the paper and maybe another one toward the edge of the paper and turn it one revolution. Now, in that one revolution, both coins just made one circle, but the one on the outer edge had to go a greater distance in that same amount of time. Therefore, the one on the outer edge is going faster. Okay, then. So in order to compensate for this, DVD players and Blu-ray players actually physically slow down the spinning of the disc as the laser moves toward the outer edge. Okay. So it, it automatically knows where where the laser is reading yes. and adjusts the speed of the uh, the disc spinning right because the the arm that holds the freaking laser is uh always going to be in a specific location and that dictates how fast the disc needs to spin okay then now um with a double layer the reason why i brought this up is because with a double layer disc it is possible to have one layer of information go from the inner edge to the outer edge of the disc right or Mm -hmm. from the center to the outer edge i guess i should say and then the second layer could start at the outer edge and work its way back in to the center. And in that case, you would need to speed up the disk as it started getting closer and closer to the center. Otherwise, it would not be turning fast enough for it to read the information properly. Right, right. In other words, DVD players and Blu-ray players make my head hurt. Yeah. Because they require physics and I was an English major. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Blu-ray transfers information faster, too. Yes, I mean, it, it does. It has a uh, 36 megabit per second uh, data transfer rate as opposed to just 10 megabits per second for our DVD. Right. Which so, is uh, also important to note. Right. So let's see. What have we got here? We've we've discussed the fact that since you are able to create smaller bumps in a Blu-ray disc, you therefore can fit more bumps onto a disc than you could with a DVD. That's why you can store more information on it. That's why you can store high-definition information on it as opposed to a DVD where you just can't – it's just not – doesn't have the capacity. Here's another thing. The, the manufacturing process for the two different discs is different. Oh, yes. Because wanna... a DVD is a sandwich. Yes. Uh, it has uh, two pieces of polycarbonate plastic about uh, 0.6 uh, millimeters, six-tenths of a millimeter wow. um, in thickness. And the, the material that has the information on it is sandwiched in between them, and the two halves are glued together. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the information on a Blu-ray disc is actually on top um, yeah. of a 1.1 uh, millimeter thickness disc, which is really amazingly thin, I would think. Yeah, um, but yeah. it does have a, a plastic coating on top of it, a hard coating on top of it to keep it from well, – I'm assuming it's plastic. It has a hard coating on top of it right. to keep it from getting scratched. Right. But it does uh, also prevent distortion – uh, that, you know, the plastic would cause as the laser would travel through it, which yeah. is called, uh, birefringence. It's, it's kind of, it's I would have similar. It Marty. Yeah. But, you know, birefringence like is what it causes. Uh, it's similar to, it's you called. know, if you've ever, if you've ever like looked at, uh, something through a, uh, really thick pane of glass mm-hmm. or, or underwater, you know, where you, you look up through the water and you see something, uh, beyond the surface, and then when you do surface through the water, you realize that it's not exactly where you thought it was. You thought it was. Yeah, it's similar to that. It's not the exact same thing, but you can think of it as uh, uh, analogous to it. But yeah, that can cause the uh, the red laser to have difficulty getting the information, and it may even actually cause it to uh, to skip. Right. Yeah. That and that's a that's what we call a bad thing. Yes. It means that you're not going to get the experience you want out of it. Also, um, a DVD has to be has to be flat for that reason. It has to be red flat. 
Right. And uh, Blu-ray discs do not necessarily have to be flat. I would assume, though, that it would be preferable if they were flat. Sure. And uh, they're – because one of them is like 1.1 millimeters thick and the other is 1.2 millimeters thick, a Blu-ray and a regular DVD look pretty much the same to us. I mean, like you said, is it in the encoding? Yeah, but it's also in the decoding, which would be the freaking lasers. Right. Um, I'm going to get so much mail about people who are tired of hearing freaking lasers. Can I write in? I, I expect you to. Okay. Uh, Liz probably will as well. <laughs> She's kind of chuckling right now, but it's not going to be as funny when you're editing, is it, is it Liz? <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, and, of course, she could always soundscape this to make me sound like anything she wanted to, so I shouldn't give her ideas. Now, uh, the other interesting thing, we have articles, by the way, on both DVDs and Blu-rays on HowStuffWorks.com. Both of which I found incredibly informative while cramming for this podcast. Yes, and they have some great uh, illustrations as well. Oh, so if yeah, you're having absolutely. if you're having problems imagining what it is we're talking about, I do highly recommend you guys check out these articles because it will give you a visual sense of, of the things that we're explaining. Uh, but one of the things I thought was interesting that they pointed out um, in these articles is that the manufacturing process for the Blu-ray disc, mm-hmm. even though it's different from the way DVDs are created, it, it is not more expensive than the way DVDs are created. So then why would you say Blu-ray discs cost so much more in the stores? I think there are a couple of different reasons. One is that it's a premium product. So mm-hmm. you are buying a high-definition product so that you can – the experience that you will get watching a Blu-ray disc – Using a Blu-ray player on a high-definition television, all of that is important. If you don't have a high-definition definition television, this isn't going to do you any good. Uh-huh. So, but the experience of watching one of those on an HD TV with the right cable connectors, using the right equipment, it's going to be it's going to be noticeable. It may right. not be as huge a leap as DVD was from VHS, but it's still going to be noticeable. The other reason is that because the Blu-ray has a greater capacity, you could actually pack more specials and uh, and extras on a Blu-ray disc than you could on a DVD, and a lot of companies do that. And thirdly, a lot of companies that are making Blu-ray players have made them Internet-capable. Right. And you can actually access extra content through the Internet on your Blu-ray player and uh, a lot of companies are, are making this available where you get – you buy the Blu-ray, you put it in your player, you start it up, and then you can access extra content online and uh, things like you know new subtitles. Let's say that you um, wanted to get a film but there was no you – know, you wanted to – you had a friend who was coming and their English wasn't so good but they, they, they spoke fluent Portuguese – and you don't have Portuguese normally on the disc, but mm-hmm. if you pop it in, you find out, hey, there's a, an option here where I can get Portuguese subtitles. Or it may be extra commentary. It could be anything from even extra content like deleted scenes. Really pretty much anything that they can think of, that the movie studios can think of, could be part of this extra content that you could access with your DVD player. Your Blu-ray mm-hmm. player, I should say, not DVD player. Mm-hmm. Um now, you're limited mostly by a couple things. One, you have to have a high-speed internet uh, access point. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have that, then you're not going to be able to access all this content. Uh, even if you could access it, it would take you so long to download any of it because it's, it's high-bandwidth stuff. Right. It, it's pointless, right? So you have to have a high-speed internet connection. And um, you also... What was it? Oh, I had two. I had two. And now I only have the one. <laughs> Ah, it's gone. It's gone. High-speed okay. internet access. If it comes back, I'll I'll shout. Okay. 
Okay. So one of the things <laughs> I was hoping it would come back immediately, but no, uh, no, well, it's not coming back immediately. Well, That's... you touched on something there though that I think, uh, might answer the listener mail question. Sure. What's that? And that I wanted to come back to okay. because we were talking about why might you not be able to see the difference in a DVD and uh, a Blu-ray or HD DVD for that matter disc. And I think it comes down to something we talked about before. And that's the screen size and resolution of your TV. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it turns out that, uh, let's say that you, if you have a larger television, you'll notice mm-hmm. these, these differences a lot. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll jump out, out at you more. Yeah. Um, if you have a smaller TV, the difference in resolution, um, isn't going to, to be quite as noticeable. But on that 120 inch plasma? Oh yeah. No, You'll that, be able that, to pick it out? Yeah. Obviously. Okay. Yes. Yes. But if you're talking about like a, say 30 inch television and, uh, you know, a 30 inch television standard definition may look pretty good. Mm-hmm. High definition is going to look fine, but you know, anything, Beyond 720 lines of resolution, you probably don't need. I mean, you probably you wouldn't really notice the difference between 720 and 1080, right. which are your your two main kinds of high definition TV in the United States. Okay, the 720 lines of resolution or the 1080 lines of resolution. Um, now, so, if you have, if and even if you have a bigger TV, some would argue that the difference is really not that noticeable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and when I say bigger TV, I'm talking like in the 50 to 60 inch range, right? Which is that's pretty big. I mean, there are larger televisions out there. Sure. And of course, you could get, say, a projector, mm-hmm. which would, you know, a digital projector is going to make an even larger picture. And in that case, yeah, you may need some sort of equipment that will provide a 1080 uh, resolution or else it's just going to look kind of blocky and, you know, it's not going to, it'll look muddy and not as, not as crisp. Right. Right. But that, uh, but yeah, that you, I think is probably the, the crux of the situation right there. And also, there are a lot of DVD players out there now that upconvert, mm-hmm. uh, signals. Now, in upconverting DVD, what that does is it tries to add in some of the information that is lost during the video compression process. Mm-hmm. Because again, to get a movie onto a DVD, DVD, I don't know where that came from, <laughs> onto a DVD, I tell you, it's because the studio is so hot today. Yeah. It's so warm in here today. Um, but in order to get the information on there, they, they use a compression format and, uh, and you tend to lose information when you compress it. And so an up converter tries to add in information to create a more, um, high definition experience, even if the source material itself is not high definition. Right. So if you have an up converting DVD and a Blu-ray player and you have a copy of the movie on DVD and a copy of the movie on Blu-ray. Uh, the differences may be subtle. They, you should probably still notice them. I mean, it's, it's not like, uh, it's not like it's, you know, it would take a, a, an expert to see the difference, but it may be that they're not, you know, maybe the colors are just a little richer on the Blu-ray or mm-hmm, that the, mm-hmm. the edges are, look a little more natural, not quite as sharp. I mean, it depends. Okay. It's a very subjective experience. Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, yeah, gosh, it never came back to me. I don't know what it was that was in my brain that just decided to escape. Well, at least it got while the getting was good. Yeah, yeah. There's so much stuff in there that's still stuck. Yeah. Screaming to get out. Poor thoughts. Mm. Did you have anything else to add on this discussion of Blu-ray versus DVD? Not really. Okay, well, hopefully that answered your question. Um uh, and you know we could have even gone into the whole HD DVD thing, the the failure of the of that format. Uh, which you know what's what's sad is 
I actually backed that format. I didn't, I didn't purchase an HD DVD I, I, player. I, I didn't go that far, but I expected that one to win out early mm-hmm. on in the uh, race between the two formats. That was one of our very first podcasts. Yeah. HD DVD versus Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and Blu-ray technically can store more information than HD DVD could, mm-hmm. but because HD DVD hit the market first, I thought that that was going to be the, I thought that was, that was the death knell there. That and it's less expensive. Yeah. And it was, it was it significantly was. less expensive than Blu-rays. Of course, now Blu-ray players are in a much, excuse me, a much more affordable range. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that's true. with the PS3 Slim out. That's true. So. You don't mess around with Slim. No, you don't. <laughs> At any rate. I, I was having a Jim Croce moment. I'm yes. sorry. At any rate. So that wraps up our discussion on Blu-ray versus DVD. I guess that brings us to our second round of listener mail. This listener mail comes from Christopher, and he says, Hey guys, love the podcast. The AI episode was great. I just wanted to add a little bit into the part about the CAPTCHAs. As you mentioned, they are used for preventing people from making mass accounts all across the net. There is a company that is making these called ReCAPTCHA. What they do is take a word that is known and bends it into a typical CAPTCHA and takes another unknown word that has been scanned from a book or some other means of creating digital copies of hard copy works and assumes that you will get the unknown word correct if you get the known word correct. It then takes the newly discovered word and places that in the scanned book instead of the unreadable by OCR mess. Also, that leads into OCR, which could be a pretty good topic, I think. Thanks for a great podcast. Keep it up. Um, yeah, I kind of wrote a little bit about this when I wrote How Captures Work. Mm-hmm. The, the idea is really interesting. Google does this a lot, where it actually crowdsources uh, – your search when you're, when you're trying to search information within a hard copy. Um, so you've got the scanned document. Your let's say that your search algorithm cannot recognize the text within that scanned document because it's just a picture, mm-hmm. right? What you do is you pull. It identifies that you know a, a section as being this has got to be a word. Pulls that, puts that picture as part of the captcha. When you identify both the the known CAPTCHA and the unknown one, it then stores the information for the unknown one in a database. As more and more people are confronted with that word, it looks for the the greatest number of people agreeing on what that word is. Okay? So right. let's say the word is is trumpet. Right. All right? And 95% of the people who are answering this CAPTCHA say it's trumpet, and the other 5% say it's something else. The program then says, all right, well, then chances are this word actually is trumpet. And that's how it tags that that picture with the word trumpet and makes it searchable within a scanned document. Excellent. So, yeah, yet another way of making artificial intelligence a little more of a reality. That's awesome. Yep. If any of you have any other cool things to tell us or questions or comments or criticisms, that sort of thing, you can write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Remember, every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, we do Tech Stuff Live with great special effects. Sometimes it actually records the episode we're doing. (laughs) Not today, but usually. So check that out. Uh, If you do miss it live, most of the time you're going to be able to get a chance to see the recorded version. Yep. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. 
brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?